Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. chapter 2 and last week we were talking about remember we talking about the whole book of Romans is about the the righteousness of God the righteousness that comes from God right verse 17 of chapter 1 says for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith that is it is written the just shall live by faith that's kind of the key to the whole book and we've been talking about how Paul was a servant of Christ, and he was so thankful for the Romans. He prayed for them. He wanted to serve them. He wanted to grow them in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and then he talked about he's not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed of that gospel, for it's the power of God. And it's the power of God and the salvation. It's the power to make people who are drunks or thieves or whatever we are into holy and righteous people. That's the power of God. One man says, everybody beats up on all the Christians, but he says, let me ask you, would you rather meet a, when you was walking down the alley, would you rather meet a group of Christians or a gang of thugs? (laughs) You know, but they're always beating up on the Christians. So that's the choice. And then he talks about how in chapter 1, verse 18 at the end, about the wrath of God being revealed because we know there's a God because of creation, right? And then in the second part, he's going to begin to talk about how we know that uh, there's a God because in chapter 2, we know there's a God because of our conscience. Uh, and he starts out, he'll end up in this section talking about that last part. But he says, therefore, you are inexcusable, chapter 2, verse 1, whoever you are who judge. For whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And then he talked about judgment according to truth, that God judges according to his truth, which is his word. And then he talks about uh, judgment according to opportunity, all these different judgments, he says. But when he talks here in verse 5, he says, but in accordance with the hardness and in your impenitent or your unrepentant heart, you're treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. So he says the person who does wrong, they're treasuring up wrath in the day of wrath. Basically, instead of these people treasuring up good stuff, what they're doing is treasuring up something that's going to get them in the end. Ultimately, I think of Romans 12, verse 18, he says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And every account one day will be settled. All the things that have been done wrong, all the things 
that we've been mistreated, all the things that have happened. Either the people that did them are going to pay for them in hell forever or else Jesus paid for them on the cross. And he did pay for everything on the cross. But if they don't trust in him, they will never get that applied to their life and they will never make it to heaven. But they will get what they've been reaping all their life. What does it say? Whatever man reaps, he what sows, he reaps. And you sow what you you reap what you sow. You reap later than you sow, and you reap more than you sow. That that's not good, and that's what happens here. If we threw one grain of corn in the ground, we only got one grain back, we'd be in trouble, we'd all starve to death, wouldn't we? But that's the way it is with sin. You do one thing wrong and it, and, it, and it plays havoc with your whole life. And so he said in verse 7, we talked about this last week, eternal life to those who by, content, by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. So the first thing we said, those are the three characteristics of a believer. And what do they do? They, they seek for immortality, glory, and honor. Those that have a holy ambition, we seek to honor God, and we're patient and well-doing. Now, we don't do those because we, we are capable of doing that on our own, but we do those because we have been saved, we have been changed, right? And then he says in verse uh, 7, verse 8, But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, Tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also the Greek. Let's stop right there. So there's three characteristics of an unbeliever in verse 8. Those who are self-seeking. What is he talking about here? Those that are self-seeking. Doing what pleases me, right? That's what these people are doing. They're doing what pleases them, what pleases us. They don't obey the truth, they rebel, they resist what God says, and they obey unrighteousness. In other words, they go into utter, complete sinfulness. This is, that's what happens in the end of chapter 1, right? All the people, God gave them up, God gave them up, God gave them up. In other words, it's a life that's totally against the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They don't want God to tell them how to do anything, right? These people don't want anybody to tell them how to do anything in their life. Job chapter 24 verse 13 says, There are those who rebel against the light. They do not know its ways, nor abide in its paths. And so those people are the opposite of those who are seeking glory, honor, and mortality. They're they're, they're seeking to give those things to God, but these people are the opposite, right? They don't obey the truth. They, they, are, they are self-seeking. They obey a unrighteousness and all these things. So what does he say? That Then there's four results of unbelief. What happens when you don't believe? What does it say here? Tribulate, he says, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish on every soul of man who does evil of the Jew first and also the Greek. So there's four results of unbelief. Romans 6 puts it this way. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The wages of sin. You know, when you work, what do you do? You get paid for something you do, right? And that's basically what God is saying in this section. The things that we do, we get paid back for. 
if we're truly Christians and we do the right things for God, one day, you know what he's going to do? He's going to reward us for that, right? And I don't know if y'all have ever studied that. There's about five different crowns that God gives us for leading people to Christ, doing good, doing the works of God and being saved and all those things. But what do we ultimately do with those crowns? We throw them back at the feet of Jesus, right? Because unless he saved us, he forgave us, then we could never do the things that we do. But then the people who do not know Christ, one day their time comes and they get paid back for what they've done wrong. And so I think of so many people in their lives, you know, they, they are waiting to pay somebody back or they hold these hateful things against people for so long their whole life because they want to get even what somebody did with did to them. But you got to remember, God's going to take care of all that one day. Because he says indignation, what is God going to do? He's going to have his anger against you, right? Wrath is the anger shown by punishment from God. Tribulation is that affliction, that trouble, that persecution, being put under pressure. He's going he's to get them between a rock and a hard spot and they can't get out, <laughs> you know. He's going to put them in that place. Distress means narrowness of place. A narrow place, dire calamity, extreme affliction. That's what God's going to do to these people because they do not obey the truth. They are self-seeking, obey unrighteousness. So he says it's to the what? The Jew first and also the Greek. What does that mean? He, he talks here in Amos 3.1. He says, hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you. O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. If you look at, look at chapter 2, verse 7 to 10, what you see is everybody's equal before God. But the Jews, guess what? They had, the Bible tells us that salvation is of the Jews that they were the first privileged people of God. And because they were the first privileged people of God, guess what? They're not going to be judged last, but they're going to be judged first. They're going to be judged because, you know, what is that verse in the Bible that says, uh, to whom much is given, much is what? Required, right? So to whom much is given, much is required. And God's not partial. Jews always thought that, that because they were Jews, that they were going to be exempt from that judgment or, or the Gentiles would be judged before they would. But you know what? Their privilege was greater. Plus, guess what? They have the Word of God. And that's what we're going to talk more about here in a few, in, in the next time we come. But the, you'll see that because they've got not only special revelation, which is the Word of God, but they've got the natural revelation and so they have, they have more that they're responsible for. Let's back up here to number, and then we want to talk about verse 10 for a minute here. What does he say in verse 10? But glory, honor, and peace to everyone who, all, who works what is good to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. So first we saw... The results are the characteristics of a believer. We saw the characteristics of an unbeliever and the results of what happened to them. And I don't know exactly why he splits that up, but at the end he's going to show us if you're a 
godly man or godly woman, guess what? Here's the, here's the results of what's going to happen to every believer. What does he say? We seek, we seek these things in verse 7, and ultimately he gives it to us, right? What does he say first in verse 10? But glory, honor, and peace to everyone. So what is the first thing we say? Glory is, is honoring God. And we, we give Him glory, right? Let your light so shine that, that others may see your good works and, and glorify what? Your Father who's in heaven, right? So we seek that glory. Remember, glory is the, the outward shining of His inward characteristics. In other words, it said in, in John 1.18, He talked about that we be, uh, John 1 14 we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth and every time Jesus did something when he was on earth what was he doing he was showing his glory right I mean he specifically showed it more when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration and when he had that bright light and glowed and his father spoke from heaven and talked about how this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and when he was baptized because he was representing sinners and just showing us that, that all of us need to be saved. He gets the glory. That's that wonderful condition of blessedness or sinlessness and perfection which is appointed and promised. The true Christians shall enter after their Savior's return from earth. So we're going to have that blessedness and sinful sinlessness and perfection. That's what happens when we get to heaven. And then he says we'll get glory because we sought to give it to him. We'll get honored. And, and that's the privilege of being in heaven. And because we're precious to God and he bought and paid for us when he died on the cross, that we'll get honored. You know, I think about it even, it talks about in the marriage supper of the Lamb. What does it talk about? It says that the Lord himself will serve us. The Lord himself comes down from heaven. And he brings us back to heaven. That's how he honors us. And we get to go to heaven and stay in heaven all for all of eternity. And because we seek incorruption and immortality, he gives us eternal peace. That's what's amazing. We get immortality and eternal life in heaven. Down here we have a lot of things that go on that destroy our peace, don't we? But when we get to heaven, there won't be anything that bothers our peacefulness, our we won't be stressed. We won't be aggravated. We won't be frustrated. We won't be running around like chickens with our heads cut off trying to fix things or get this done or get that done. It'll all be okay when we get to heaven. John seventeen three says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Think about this. That one day, as the Bible says, it'll be worth it all. When we see Jesus, it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. And I think about that. What does he say in verse 11? For there is no partiality with God. There's no partiality with God. None whatsoever. God doesn't look at our color. He doesn't look at our money. He doesn't look at how smart we are or how... Whatever in the eyes of the world, you know, I always think about the rain man. He didn't, he wasn't able to communicate with people. You could throw down 300,000 toothpicks or something, and he knew exactly how many were. Just looked down and he knew how many were there. 
But how many of us can do that? He was just smart in a different way, right? <laughs> but you know what? I think sometimes some of these people that we think maybe, I don't know, that we think aren't up to our level, sometimes they may communicate in a different level. In some ways, they, they may be smarter than we are, but in some ways, we're smarter than them. So, you know, we can't look at it, and God makes all of us right. And if he makes all of us, he said he made the deaf, the dumb, the blind. And you know what? We can't look down on people and because he doesn't look down. And God doesn't favor anybody. He He looks at all of us and he doesn't beat up on us because we weren't born in the right family or popular or powerful or got the good looks or whatever. He looks at us and he renders to each one according to what they've done or not done. And that's why Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore make disciples of what? All nations, right? The Bible says one day that every tribe, tongue, and nation will be in heaven. But sometimes we, we, we look down on people. We think that people are less than we are. But God doesn't play favorites. Let me read a couple of verses about this and we'll finish up here this morning. Acts chapter 10, I wanted to read verses 34 through 43. Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Peter said, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed through all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witness, and we are witnesses of all things which he did in the land of Jews and on Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day, and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes in him will receive the forgiveness of sins. God is not partial. First Peter 1.17 says, And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. So think about this, folks. God loves all of us, doesn't he? When we look back at Acts 10, he says in that one section, he preached peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. He's Lord of all. I'm preaching to choir mostly this morning, but I think about this, that all of us that know Jesus Christ, one day, the old song says, and, and Romans eight eighteen says, that the suffering in this world is not going to be worthy to be compared with the glory which we'll have in heaven. The old song says it'll be worth it all when we see Jesus. And I know sometimes it seems tough and it seems hard and it seems like all the people are getting away with everything, but 
But one day, it's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. So remember that all these people that are doing what they're supposed to do because of Jesus Christ, they know Jesus Christ, one day we will be rewarded. And those that don't know Jesus Christ, they're going to be rewarded too for doing the wrong. Bottom line is today is this Thursday is Christmas. Every single day we should be celebrating Christ, right? Every single day. We shouldn't be just celebrating Christ just part of the time. But every day should be Christmas to us. Every day we should be celebrating the fact that that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect sinless life. And he died on the cross for our sins that we might have eternal life. That's what's most important. And so many people this time of year, they get focused on all the wrong things. All the trappings and all the gifts and all the things. But remember, this is ultimately about the greatest gift of all. And the greatest gift of all was it that God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And he was crucified and he was buried and he rose again the third day. And whoever believes in him shall be saved. That's the greatest gift of all. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Ephesians 2 says, you're not saved by by works, but by grace through faith. It's the gift of God. And he uses a word that means free gift. Do you get that? That's like double. He says free gift. I mean, a gift's free, right? It's supposed to be. But it's a free gift. That's what the Greek word means. Free gift. It's the free gift of God. (laughs) It's like saying it's free, free. (laughs) It's a gift, gift, you know. And that's what God wants us to understand. That if we're willing to believe, willing to trust, it's a gift. But so many people won't trust. So many people won't believe. But I just thank God that that he makes it available to everybody. Well, let's pray and close today. Father, we just thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you're not partial, that you're no respecter of persons, but there is no partiality with God. Father, we thank you that the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And whosoever will may come, whoever thirsts, let him come and drink of the water of life. Whoever believes shall be saved. Father, I pray and thank you for that today and just ask that you would continue to work in our lives and help us to be your lights that shine in the dark world that others may see our good works and glorify you, our Father who's in heaven. Lord, we just ask that we would be those lights, especially during this season, and that uh, we would glorify you and honor you and seek for that immortality that, that comes only for you. Lord, we love you and thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, 
to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 8.32